This week on Three Questions with Corey Kareem. Be clear on your why. Like, why do I want to lose this weight? Mm. And is it the like people say I want to lose 20 pounds? The first question I ask is, why 20, not 17? Why not 22? Right. And in their mind, they're like, well, if I weighed this, I think I would, you know, look better. Sometimes they look better losing five pounds. Right. Sometimes they lose better losing no weight, just literally being lighter, feeling good about their body. Now, before we get started with this beautiful conversation, please help a brother out and click on that follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions with Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five, maybe even six or seven. I know. I know. I know. But rather than talk about people's wins or successes, we talk about their failures, more specifically the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So with that being said, my guest today is a former athlete, personal health coach, business owner, and entrepreneur. He's one of Toronto's top personal trainers and private gym owners working with some of Toronto's elite and A-types, you know, the high performers, the folks who get shit done in the corporate world. In fact, have you ever seen the show Billions? Yeah, that's the type of clients he has coming through his gym. The Bobby Axelrods of the world. <laughs> I love that. After playing college football in the U.S., he became a regional manager for Good Life Fitness in downtown Toronto, where he was responsible for over 1,500 personal training clients and 130 personal trainers across North America's most demanding markets. He has won the Good Life Fitness Top 500 Award and Manager of Excellence on multiple occasions. One report says he is a coach for coaches who helps people build and sustain healthy lives and balanced careers. So without further ado, Enswani Buffo, welcome to the podcast, brother. Appreciate that. That sounded amazing. I need that every time. Whether I'm uh, going on stage somewhere or ordering food, a restaurant, I just need you to do that every single time. If you can, please. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind being a little hype, man. I could get my Tony A on and be a little hype, man, there every time you enter. And look, the guys, all my listeners, the Bobby Axelrod thing is I've, I've been to his gym several times. A lot of Bobby, Bobby Axelrod's in, up in his gym, amongst other people as well. So, Yeah, um, for sure. But we definitely call forward a, uh, a specific type of person. And, and I'm happy that you can recognize that. And I'm happy we have a space for those uh, types, you know, and all types. But, yeah. 100%. So, and Swanee, I know I gave you a bit of a, a lightweight intro there. So, for the, my listeners, my audience, my followers, if you can kind of elaborate on who you are, what you do, and even your inspiration for getting into this line of work. Yeah, I think the coach for coaches expression was very good. Um, whether I'm working with clients on the retail level in my gym, uh, they're usually people of leadership. They're bosses, CEOs, high-level executives, family, uh, family people where they are typically having high responsibilities. Um, but then I have almost 30 coaches who mm. I consider them my clients the same way my retail clients ask me for you know muscle gain or, or fat loss. I have 30 fitness professionals that come to me for fitness goals, making more money, um, spending less money, structuring their business in a way that they can actually take vacations and breaks. And I take those goal-setting conversations as serious as I do even people who want to lose weight. Um, right. And then I run businesses. You know, I have two locations that have responsibilities and leases and, and, and stakeholders and you know, finances and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm almost always giving instruction for the improvement of somebody's strategy. Right. I love it. I love it, man. And congrats on the second location. And where where, where in Toronto is that second location going to be? Oh, or thank can you. you finally. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm ready to go now. I'm finally coming home. 1047 Gerard Street East, Fitco, right. Fight Inspired Interval Training. It's a whole other offering. Um, something that's new for a lot of people in terms of learning how to strike and use your body in mm. combat style. 
but then obviously supporting it with strength, mobility, flexibility, hypertrophy, proper nutrition, proper mindset. I mean, you fight, you know how what it's like. Yeah, nothing I'm, like I'm, it, right? I'm ready to get back into that because they they had closed down uh, the boxing gym near me. I used to go to a UFC gym, and that closed down. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, so it's funny. Let's get right into this. So tell me a time either in your personal training career or personal life where your back was against the wall, things weren't looking so well. So in other words, what was your most memorable challenge to date? How did you work through it? And most importantly, what did you learn from it? Good question. Um, the one that I would say is the most defining as an adult um, was when I actually had an injury in sport. So I grew up in Rexdale. I played every sport you can imagine, baseball, basketball, football, soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. As I got to high school, I started excelling in soccer. No, excuse me, sorry, excelling in football, actually. Um, and all the other sports kind of went to the side. And I had what I believe was a very rare opportunity. Um, our mutual friend, Kern Carter, mm-hmm. and his older brother, Kerry, the, the Carter family, Kerry, Kern, Kershaw, they are one of the best athletic families I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And they created such a buzz for NCAA football that we started seeing coaches come through every week. And, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Kerry's name on recruiting board and seeing Kerry's name on ESPN and TSN, I was like, whoa, I didn't think somebody could do this. I just thought football and sports was something you just played to keep out of trouble. Right. Um, but being around that excellence and a bunch of other dudes in my school who ended up getting scholarships, um, very early on, I realized this could be a business. This is something that can translate into at least education for free, um, some experiences to travel, and then potentially even to play pro. So I would say from about 16 to 24, that was my main focus. Mm. Um, training three, four hours a day. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say eating the best because when you're a football player, you eat a lot mm. of chicken and bullshit too. So, I mean, you, you, you eat a lot of stuff as a football player, but you still have a mindset towards building strength and getting recovery. And, you know, I lived as if I was almost a professional athlete, you know, multiple hours a week training, uh, massage, athletic therapy, chiropractor at your disposal, travel, um, pressure, admiration, all the stuff that comes with it. Um, I went to a school at Western Pennsylvania University that even though there was a smaller school, big expectations being uh, in the part of the state that we're in, Mm-hmm. Uh, Western Pennsylvania is the hotbed for football. Right. Uh, just in my area where I lived and went to school, that's where Joe Montana came from, um, Jim Kelly, The Rock, Rob Gronkowski, oh, wow. Lamar Arrington, you can uh, Ty Law, Darrell Revis, like any anywhere you walked, Dan Marino, anywhere you walked, somebody was wow. like home of this yeah. you know, damn near Hall of Fame player. So the expectations for football extremely high there, and um. You know, during that time period, that was my life. Uh, and in October uh, 5th, October 11, 2005, I played my last game ever because I ended up breaking my leg on the second play of the game. Oh, wow. And I went from, like, this is what you do every single day in order to achieve a goal. And it's very regimented and structured, and your identity is tied into that. And on campus, everyone knows you as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in Toronto, everyone thinks I'm going to pro. I don't think I bought a drink during that time period in Toronto. Everyone's like your friend and the women and everybody's like, oh, this is the guy. And then mm-hmm. it just stops dead. Right. And when that stops dead, there was obviously physical pain. Um, I had to get two surgeries to help repair my leg. I have a plate and screw. Plate and two screws in there that still to this day, you know, give me give me trouble from a physical point of view. Right. Um, but it was emotional pain. It was uh, the loss of identity. Mm. And it's now like, how do you see yourself? Let alone how everyone else sees you. Right. Because now it's a sad story. Oh, man, did you what happened to, oh, man, you know, hope you get back. And, oh, man, you were the, oh, man, you were not, you know, there's that. And then inside, it's like, yo, if I can't get back, who am I? What the hell do I do? What else can I do? And that took almost, brother, the better parts of two years. Mm-hmm. Um to figure out who I am and what other things I had. And I made some really bad choices in that two years. You know, I didn't respect my body. Right. I drank a lot. Um, I did my rehab on my leg, yeah, but in the beginning, it just, I didn't do shit, you know. Um, I used a lot of painkillers and not just for pain. Mm. 
especially during that time, that was the the oxy, yeah, Percocet, um, Vicodin, yeah. you know, uh, boom, boom, yeah. Um, thankfully, thankfully, no, no power of my own. Um, things like oxy and Percocet just didn't sit well with me. Right. Yeah, Vicodin did, and I used a lot of Vicodin, um, but it didn't have the same you know, lasting addiction as some of those harder ones. And if those harder ones sat well with me, I would have. It's not that I didn't try them. Yeah. You know, they just they just didn't sit. Um, and then questionable choices with my body, you know, the women I was seeing and how I was respecting myself and the people I was around, it was just the lowest part of my life. Mm. And that came from just loss of identity of having a goal or a focus stopped abruptly, right? right? right. So yeah, I would say that was the, a lot of things had to had to be unearthed through that time period. Right. Um Thankfully, at some point, I did have to go back to my body because that was the place where I usually have the most comfort or understanding. Mm-hmm. So I think it was about the six-month mark. I started aggressive rehab. Um, and I don't think my mind was ever to to play again. It was to make sure I could move and do things I wanted. But for the most part, it was like, I need to get focused back on something. Mm-hmm. Um, especially living in the U.S., things can go sideways fast. There's all, right. all type of trappings yeah yeah um so i started two hours a day of rehab and i had a great rehab team they actually booked me in at 6 a.m mm. and that was like the first wake up they used to pick me up to <laughs> drive me out of bed get me in the car 6 a.m i'm working on some of the most painful physical work i've ever done in my life wow um that was two hours every day and then that turned into okay I start to walk again and move again. And then eventually it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel like me again. Um, and then I started slowly building back my strength in other areas with running and lifting weights and changing direction. And that was about a year process. Right, right. And so what would you say that you, you learned from that entire like process of getting injured, losing your identity, and then the recovery from all of that, the rehab from all that? What would you say some lessons you learned from that? So many lessons. Um, I mean, easy one is maybe have a fallback plan or at least think about other things that if you mm-hmm. are. I mean, but even that, I don't necessarily say it's a great thing because at that time I was single focused. I'm going to play sports professionally. Right. Um, and I think I needed that to, to run myself at 195 pounds and 250 pound monsters. I needed that sole focus. Right. So I would say even that's a thought. I wouldn't mean that wouldn't be the main thing I took from it. I think the main thing is if you find yourself in a bad position, which we all do, yeah. know your anchor. Mm. Um, I should have known for me, my anchor was my body. Because gotcha. whether I was growing up, you know, in Toronto, Rexdale, where there's all sorts of shit you can get into, um, it was my two hours of, of sport that always kept me s- safe, you know? Mm-hmm. It was that, oh, who's that? Oh, let's rush him. No, 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 that's a football player. Leave him. You know, mm. that's it. That it was the oh my mom's not home and I'm out late at night and we're playing handball or basketball that kept me, mm-hmm. you know, where I needed to be. Um, you know, whenever I had too much frustration or anger about the game and my sport, you go to the weight room, you let it out, mm-hmm. um, and I let and I let that go. I didn't know what to do because my leg was in a cast. I didn't know what to do because I was putting toxins in my body, right. and I didn't know what to do because I was emotionally depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm in those states again, I know, well, okay, take some time there, a couple days, and then go get a walk. You know? mm. Go do some breathing exercises. All right, go hit some weights there. You can still train upper body. Nothing's wrong with your arms, right? Mm-hmm. And that is my anchor to start connecting to my body again, which then now compounds out to all my other decision making. Right. I love that message of know your anchor, right? And I think for someone to know their anchor, I think there needs to be some level of self-awareness. Um, and I'm just thinking about, so I, I know I've shared this with you, obviously, because, you know, you helped me through my, my second rehab process with tearing yeah. the Achilles. And I, I, and I could, you know, there's a word that you use that rung a lot of bells. And it's like losing your identity. Now, obviously, my injuries happened in my mid to late 30s, so it's way different than someone who's aiming to be a professional athlete, playing uh, college sports at the highest level. So I can only imagine what that felt like, 
you know, mentally. Like, almost yeah. feels like having the world taken away from you. And, uh, and for me, a similar situation is when I was living in the U.S. And, you know, I had some situations with my visa and I had to come home. That was like the world being taken away from me because my whole life 100%. was planned out. You know what I mean? I had a pretty good job. I was working on Wall Street. I was 25. Like, you know what I mean? And, and I was just like, I saw the direction I was heading in. And then all of a sudden, that got turned yeah. away. And it's like, now I'm in, at that time, I was like a 26-year-old kid in my mom's basement on the couch trying to figure out how I'm going to, you know, restart my life. And so I could totally, you know, um, align and feel what you felt to some capacity at least. And I just remember for myself, for me, my core also was fitness. So I was never to your level, but I knew that I always liked going to the gym because I knew that I always felt better. And I knew for me, like, even to this day, like, yeah, do you want like a six pack and things like that? But that's not my core reason for fitness. For me, it's to feel good. Because I know sure. if I feel good, a byproduct of that is that I'll be confident and I know that I will look good as well, right? So if you feel yep. good, you look good, you're confident, and confident is so big, especially in the corporate world. So I can definitely align to what you were saying. 100%. And just to, to keep, to put some, some more thought on what you're saying, is something's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And we say this to clients all the time. In the next 12 months, something is going to happen. You might lose a promotion. You might lose a job. Right, you might Facts. lose a relationship. You might be like, 100%. "Hey, this is my person. We're planning a life together. The wedding yeah. date's booked," and that might not happen. Right? right, you can lose somebody literally from this earth. And when these things happen, like, what is your anchor? Mm. And you know, if we if if we don't think about those things, and it's almost morbid, but if you don't think about the worst case scenario and have a strategy. Right. You're gonna find yourself off track, and I and I feel that's the 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 issue with a lot of people who are mm -hmm. either lost or trying to figure it out. It's um, you're not set up for success from the beginning, mm. and then you're reactive versus being proactive, right? One hundred percent, man. Wise yeah. words, wise words. So, and Swanee, um, what's a common mistake you see other personal trainers or gym owners make, and you know, um, yeah, let's start there. Like, because given your, your your experience, you obviously managed over, what, I think you said over a thousand personal trainers. Uh, At 1500. this point in my life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what's a common mistake you see, you know, personal trainers or gym owners make based on based on your POV? Um, I think there's a bit of a... Uh, a reciprocal um, habit, you can say. I mean, there's there's certain coaches that are there for them, mm -hmm. and those coaches, to be honest, monetarily can end up doing really well because in their minds they say, "I am the influence or the influencer," mm -hmm. and through my own um, existence, people are inspired. Mm. And those people, I tend to have no issue when it comes to asking for money or making money. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other parts, the people I work with a lot are people of experience who are truly about the craft of fitness and health and more importantly, the craft of coaching. Mm -hmm. And coaching is not a glamorous job, right? Mm -hmm. You think of the athlete first, you think of Michael Jordan, then you think of Phil and Phil's the guy. Right. There's hundreds of coaches that no one will even remember in a few years, right? right. So what am I trying to say here? Um, that dichotomy or that difference often makes for a personal trainer is not asking for their worth right. or not being confident when it comes to money mm. or not charging or not charging enough I see what you or mean. you know i tell people off top to work with me it's going to cost a minimum of ten thousand dollars this year are you ready to invest that in yourself right why well first things first my rate times the hours i need to see you times the duration that's going to get you results is already talking five figures mm-hmm and if I'm going to take you on as a client and I have to commit myself to you, which I will, and you know I will, then right. we need to make sure that I'm compensated because compensation is not me buying gold teeth and diamonds. It's me making sure 
my house is paid for and right. my transportation is taken care of and my food is taken care of and my continuing education and my professional certifications are paid up. Right. Right. So that's part of my service. And um, it wouldn't make sense for me to undercut that or undervalue what I need because it's only going to undervalue mm-hmm. your results. Mm-hmm. Um, so after 15 years, I could say I'm very, very confident in those situations and very confident sometimes turning down people who don't want to invest. Right. But it's too often I see personal trainers really undervaluing their service, not paying enough, not collecting their money on time, not having structured business when it comes to, like, are you getting paid? Right, right. No, that, that's great pers- uh, perspective. I never even would think of that. Um what I do see also, and I'd love to get your POV on this as well, is like since the pandemic, at least from my vantage point, it seems like there's been like an uptick on uh, with personal trainers via online, Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess they were always there, to be fair, but I feel like the pandemic really highlighted or created a vacuum or whatever you want to call it, where it just seems like everybody and their mom was getting into personal training for a bit. And I just wanted to get your POV on online personal trainers and that kind of home boom that seemed to have happened over the last uh, few years. You know, you're not lying. It definitely went up because that's where we were. We were consuming Mm. content and the need was there. So, you know, I'm always going to be on the side of what helps more people get active. Right. Only 20, maybe 22% of the population is active regularly. So everything helps, whether it's, a coach, someone in my gym, myself, <clears throat> an influencer, an athlete, like whoever inspires someone to at least think about fitness is all on my team. Right. But 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 the shit is not the same, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, motivation and inspiration is, is very different than getting the work done. Mm, and when it comes to online, Instagram, social media, there's a lot of motivation, but because of the nature of the app, the speed of the dopamine hits and also the attention time you can be motivated and do nothing with that motivation Mm. and fitness as we know it's not day one it's day 185 it's day 362 it's just it's it's a shitty days most days are going to be i don't want to work out right Mm -hmm. facts (laughs) Um, afterwards you always feel great Mm -hmm. but if you think of it in a less than 50 days it's going to be damn near zero Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be pitch black at this time of day. Right? Are you, are you getting up inspired the way you were on June first when it was thirty two <laughs> degrees? <laughs> so different worlds. You know, yeah. Different worlds. To be very clear on my on my statement to your question, it's like be understand what's motivation, understand what's results based action. Be mm-hmm. very clear on what fitness enthusiasts are and mm-hmm. fitness professionals. Mm. So in 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 pandemic, I think we saw a lot of fitness enthusiasts. Got you. Join join the space. I work out. My body looks great. Follow me. Cool. But you know, you work with twenty, sixty, eighty, hundred people who are not you, who aren't twenty three years old, mm-hmm. and don't live on by themselves where they control all their meals. Um, who don't have kids. Who don't have a stressful corporate job. Who don't mm-hmm. live in a, you know, you can fly to Bali and say workout every day. It's Bali. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, Miami, really inspiring to work out every day. Um, True. Brick shit cold Toronto in February, not mm, so not much. Not so much. Yeah. So I think that actually created a great opportunity for the fitness professionals because although it felt like we were being squeezed out because the enthusiasts were grabbing all the intention, I just was like, great, I follow this guy too. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what we can do to look like him mm. because you did his online plan it didn't work for you you did his meal plan it didn't work for you and it wasn't that the work wasn't maybe good it's just that he wasn't there to talk to you every day about it right right <laughs> right yeah that makes the minute you sense. hit the yeah the minute you hit the pay now yeah your interaction with them was kind of done you know listen I, I'm gonna tell you so during the pandemic me and my friend we started um like a online zoom thing and it was just like people getting together to work out right we all had a common goal like we didn't know what was going to happen and so at, at its height it got to about like 17 18 people canada u.s and my homegirl she would lead it and she was what you would call like a fitness enthusiast not professionally trained but like 
worked with the trainer, got results and learned a few things. And then, yep. you know, just got people together. So I saw that kind of trend happening. And it actually, you know, what's funny through that class, even as playing sports all through high school, it made me realize something. I actually didn't know how to work out until I started doing that class. Cause then I was being pushed to limits that I've never been pushed to before. Cause I remember right. the first class I did, she's like, all right, we're going to do 300 squats. I've never done at that point. I've never done 300 squats in one sitting in my entire life. Right. And this was right. someone who played basketball and stuff like that. And so I learned a great deal about what my body can handle and I was like, man, I haven't really been pushing myself to the limits. And that is what taught me the value of having a personal trainer and right. having someone seeing, okay, you can do this, but you can do a little bit more. Because, you know, you, you tend to cheat yourself a little bit when you work by yourself if you're not used to that that voice in your head, right? Absolutely. And I think all those experiences matter in the fitness space. I think we spend too much time competing in the fitness space. Mm. Um, and I tell my clients all the time, yeah, like go do something unreasonable. Like go take one of these hard classes. I just had one of my clients hit me up um, on Thursday or Friday. She's in New York. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just did a Barry's Bootcamp class and I rocked it. I never felt stronger in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. Now, before we met and we were training, she was doing those classes three, four times a week. Mm -hmm. And that intensity level for someone who is an entrepreneur and executive was beating the shit out of her body. Right. So, you know, to, to, to play devil's advocate for a minute, yeah, 300 squats is great, but 300 squats by 17 people, there's no way everybody has the same right. either form, uh, capacity. Maybe someone was 400. Maybe someone was 150. You don't know right. that in those experiences. And that's why sometimes those classes or the online work, it's missing that specificity. Right, that customization. Um, customization and that's what we provide that's the ugly part that's me with the same client in new york 5 a.m for the last 10 months four yeah. times a week working on all these things that she needed to work on but once you have that you know custom more base strategy yeah go go do some shit right yeah um and i think of it a lot like investing where if you're putting your money away strategically and you have your long-term plan and you have your emergency fund set up <coughs> you have you know the strategies that are, okay, here's what I'm paying to my debt repayment. Here's what my savings. Here's my long term. You come across a hot deal, take a shot. You yeah. Know? Take yeah. a shot. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is with most people and what most people when it comes to money is they overshoot the basics and fundamentals mm -hmm. and they go towards the, you know, I'm going to work out five days a week. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm going to put my money in crypto and get 100% return. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and you end up just keep on, you keep yeah. on crapping out, crapping out, crapping out. One hundred percent. So to tie in your your question, long answer to your short question, that quick, fast, get it done today, highly, highly, um, high success failure took over in in pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. One hundred percent. And it's so funny you, you brought up like the the crypto examples and you know those extreme those extreme fringe examples. I, I was just thinking of it actually worked out in my favor. So it was kind of like a buildup. And I remember two years after doing those online classes and things slowly getting back to normal, I did not tough mudder, but I did the mud run. But to your, to your point, <laughs> I, w I was intermittent fasting. Cause you know that I, I was on that for a while and I was like, yeah, it's only six K. I could do it. I could do the mud run fasting. on intermittent. <laughs> Yo, in, in, in August, my dude, in August, yo, what time would you, what time would you start time? Yo, it was like 11 AM, bro. Sun was out popping. Sun's, dude. sun's out. I got no food. I got no food. Yo, yo, three, three kilometers in, yo, I'm telling you, I felt like a dude that was stranded at war. Like, yo, that was, I felt like private Ryan, yo, did like, <laughs> I was struggling, but I made it through. But I was like, that was a bad mistake because I overshot that. I was like, oh, I could do this 6K. Dude, I've done 10K. <laughs> no problem. But 6K with obstacles, my dude, in the hot sun. And, sun. and no food. No food. I totally. And you probably didn't. You didn't did you load the night before? No. 
no, no. Yo, I totally but you know overshot what? that. I, it's, first of all, I'm happy you're okay. And you know what? I'm actually okay with this because this is the type of conversation we're having now with most people when they come into my gym. As you mentioned, high performers, yeah. type A, you're going to figure out, you're going to do something. And I'd much rather have this conversation of how we're not going to do that again versus mm-hmm. me saying, Corey, here's the why you should exercise. Come on, bud. Let's do it. Those mm-hmm. conversations actually have, have died down quite a bit. Mm. Or at least at least in my like in our offerings, people know yeah. I already have something going. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a few things. I just need someone to help me put it all together. Right. Um. So as much as like we don't do that again, <laughs> um, yeah. I I appreciate the fact that you actually did that. That just shows how self motivated you are, how much you want it, right? Yeah. Um. And I think that's the first thing we talked about when I met. I was like, all right, you're doing a lot of things really well, but maybe you shouldn't be doing them at the same time exactly yeah and i actually think that spills over into my personal life as well like trying to do a lot when i should just be focusing on maybe two or three things as well so great advice um so moving on um here's one i I really want to know and i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people want to know as well so based on your experience what do you believe are the top three reasons why people struggle or Mm -hmm. fail with their health goals and weight loss journey? That's a brilliant question. I'm happy to give you, get a pen if you're listening, (laughs) screen record. I'm going to help you nail this for you now. Okay. Number one is schedule. It is schedule. We do not understand how important it is to pull out your calendar, your pen and paper, your planner, your Google calendar, and sit there for at least an hour, okay? I'm gonna give you some facts here. In Canada, the top 10% of exercises, so the people who exercise the most, mm-hmm. the average workouts per week is 1.35. Okay. So that means the best exercises in Canada are only working out on average 1.35 times a week. Okay? Really? What does that mean? Now think of it, it's an aggregate. So some yeah, people yeah. are doing four days a week. Right. Some days, some people will do, you know, six days a week for five months and then fall off for a month. But when right. you put all the numbers together, it doesn't, it's not a great number. It's 1.35. Okay. Mm. And that's the best. So what does that mean for everybody else? Mm. You're getting the people who start for a month and stop. You know, right. when I used to work in good life, we had an entire department for people who signed up and never came in. Like I actually never picked up the key tag. <laughs> And that was a few thousand people every year, right? Literally, I can right. Imagine. So the the answer to that is not necessarily motivation. It's not necessarily you know information. It's the simplest action. Can you sit there and say for the next five weeks, here are my dates for working out: mm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, six p.m. Here is my fourth date, Saturday at eleven, just in case I miss one of those dates. Mm-hmm. If you start there. And every month you can get 30 days ahead, meaning today is September 10th. I know all of my workouts to October 10th. I'm already in that talented 10%. Mm-hmm. If you can block that out to two months or three months, now you're into the single digits successful people. And that's, I haven't talked about food, fasting, booty, abs, nothing. I'm just talking about can you write stuff in your calendar and hold it the way you would hold it if it was a sales meeting right? or if it was a wedding. Right. Um, and then helping someone or having someone help you be accountable to that. Mm. Right. That's the first thing. And if you can be 80 percent compliant, meaning between now and October 10th, I've put down 12 workouts. By the time I get to that date, I finish 10. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Right. Right. And inside that 10, it might have been like, oh, man, um, I don't want to go today. But I went. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I was supposed to go Wednesday. I didn't make some Wednesday, but I got up early Saturday morning and I went. I didn't want to go, but I did it. And it's it's that habit of not missing your appointment. The same way you and I were like, yo, can we move up to here? Can we change it? Like, we do right. this every day, brother. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> we do this every day. Oh, shit, I'm not missing this. Can you do 11? No, I can't do 11. Can you do 10? Boom, bam, did it. We're in. Yeah. Let's get it done. Yeah. All right? So if you can think of that, like someone's calling you, to do a sales call about your business and give you some money, you're going to make sure those dates are held. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I don't want to, I don't want anybody listening to this to miss how important that really is. Mm-hmm. Right. Number two now is you have to make sure you have a plan that makes sense. Mm. 
a plan that makes sense has you looking at the right results. Um, for most people, without serious nutritional changes, the scale won't move for the first three months. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, the scale shouldn't move for the first three months. You know, that shouldn't even be your focus. Um, for most people, the focus is, again, can you build and keep a great schedule? Can you build your base movements? Meaning, can your workout patterns, exercise patterns get more refined? So range of motion, proper form, posture, flexibility, uh, mobility. Those are usually the things you work on in the beginning. Wow. Um, but if all those things are improving, but I'm not looking at them, it's an easy way to get discouraged. Right. And I want to touch on the scale thing really quickly because throughout my waist, weight loss journey, I shouldn't even say that, fitness journey more so, um, I came to understand that the scale, for the most part, could be very misleading. Especially, I should, let me correct that. I think for a, a person like myself where gaining muscle, being you know, fit is more so the goal than losing a lot of weight can yeah. be very misleading because you, as you've told me and others have shared with me as well, muscle weighs more than fat, right? So muscle doesn't weigh more than fat. Oh, it actually doesn't. No, a pound's a pound. Three pounds of muscle, three pounds of fat is three pounds, but right. it has a different, it has a different makeup. It mm. looks different on your body. It has a different, you know, um, shape to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so early on, if you, are starting to build muscle on your body and what was once fat is now muscle. Yeah. It won't reflect on the scale. Exactly. But it will it will reflect in your clothes, how you sit up, even right. posture, bro. That's why mm-hmm. that's why for us we always focus on posture, range of motion, flexibility, mobility because if you think of like some of the most beautiful people in the world, models and people are paid for their physical appearance. It's not it's not their weight, it's how they're positioned. It's mm. you know is, is their head up? Is their shoulders open? Are they standing tall? That's all attractiveness. That's all visual appeal. Right. So there's so many things that go into how you look that isn't always reflected on your bathroom scale. Mm. Um, so I would be, for us, it's always, you know, are you moving better? Again, I'm going to say, it, it's, it's, are you nailing your workouts? Are you hitting that schedule like you said you would? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, are you, getting more energy because your body's now more efficient. So you're walking upstairs quicker. You're hopping out of bed quicker. There's less pain in your body. You know, you're right. walking into rooms with your heads up and your shoulders back more confident. Like you said, exercise confidence. And right. no one sees your muscles under your suit. It's just how you present, right? Right. That now sets you up <clears throat> for further stages of if you want to actually look at the scale and specifics of weight loss or muscle gain. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to pick the marble in your kitchen when the house is not even built. Fair. Right? You got to put the foundation up and the drywall and the wiring and all those good things. And um, this is why people fail because, again, I think about money. If my financial advisor says, you know, in Swanee, this is a 10-year plan, and in month two, I'm like, yo, how come I haven't made no money? (laughs) But then you have... But I know you're gonna get on to number three. But then you have like things like Ozempic, which we'll get there. But um, no, no, go talk it, bro. We're here. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, yo, listen. In the last what six months, that's like a common drug name you're hearing. Apparently, people are getting amazing results. Obviously, it's a diabetic drug meant for diabetics, but people are not using it for weight loss. What what are your what are your thoughts? What's your POV on this Ozempic trend right now that's happening? There's always going to be a market for get it fast, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't matter if it's Ozempic or Ephedra or you know some diet or some strategy that someone's selling online. It's just always going to be that because again, human beings are we know certain things take time, but then we always still want that quick answer. We still always are tied to that. We know we need to, you know, save and build and strategize for 30 years. But then as soon as someone comes around with a get rich quick scheme, we're listening at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I got a hot stock and our ears go up, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the Zempic, a lot of the drugs that we use are always found to have a side effect when they're looking for something else. Mm-hmm. And the Zempic's, you know, glutides for, for people who are diabetic or have trouble with insulin. And they figured and found that when they use it, it actually can help in weight loss. How does it help in weight loss, though? For most people who aren't diabetic, it helps as an appetite suppressant. 
That's why people are losing weight. And yes, it does help with insulin sensitivity and it does help with resistance. And that's what it's supposed to do for diabetics. But on the retail side, for most people, you take it and you don't eat as much. You don't feel to eat as much. Right. And I know several people that take it and that's the side effect. So the question here now is, is this really a long-term strategy? I'm losing weight because I'm not eating. Mm. What happens when I start eating again, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Same time too, from an anatomical point of view, if I'm not eating and I'm, let's say, not eating the right amount of cal- calories, right. my body's going to find those calories. Where do you think it finds those calories? Muscle. Muscle. Right. Muscle's a great tissue. Your body loves it. But be clear. If the body feels like it's not getting what it needs or it's in survival mode, it'll throw muscle on the fire real quick. Yeah. And you've seen that when you've gotten sick before, right? You maybe had yeah. a flu and next thing you know, you just your muscle mass is <laughs> gone. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz yeah. really intuitively, muscle mass is not that important when your body feels like it's in danger. Right. So starvation is danger. Mm. So what I see is people lose weight and they look terrible. They look yeah. very gaunt. They, you know, their neck and their face cuz they're just losing weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because I'm not eating. So what's the strategy here when you stop taking this thing? Now your body has dropped something called basal metabolic rate, which means that your metabolism has gone down. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to be a little more tired because your muscle mass is dropping and you're not eating. Hmm. So are you going to take this drug forever? You're not going to eat forever? Is that what we're going to do? Um, and we don't think. We don't think that far. Right. Right. No, those are, those are some gems right there. That that science part, I did not know. I obviously knew there was a science to it, but I think there's a lot of people that are seeing the trend. You know, like you said, we we are kind of primed for convenience, and they're seeing people lose weight, and they're seeing some of their favorite celebrities lose weight, and they're hearing that they're using these drugs, and they're like, oh, I want that, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. available to them. So. It's available. Well, unfortunately, now diabetics can't even get it. But then the backside to wow. it, too, like we see with all medicines, is what are the long-term side effects? Mm. We we don't know, <laughs> right? So, right. Right. I think yeah. I, I heard something where uh, a, a most recent one, it's, it's still rare, but I think it was something like their stomach, um, I want to say freezing up or like a... Uh, Man, I wish I I, can't, I read that this article before this, but there there was a recent side effect that like it's basically like your stomach just you didn't want to eat at all, like zero. You know, I I I, 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 I see these things. I'm not yeah. gonna speak on it yet because we are never gonna know till a few years anyway. And what happens right. is after a few years, people say, "Oh, I told you so. I'm sorry," and that's it. We see it. We saw right. oxycotton. You know, we saw it with some of the vaccines that came out. I'm not saying we don't need those things, but it's just sometimes the quick-to-market and monetary side of pharmaceutical drugs right. has us always in a bad position years later, right? right. Um, and your body was made really, really well on all these things that we ask it to do with drugs. It can do naturally if you're patient, right? right? And you're curious. And that would be, I guess, the third tip is, like, be curious about your body, you know? Be be be. Be clear on your why. Like, why do I want to lose this weight? Mm. And is it the like people say I want to lose twenty pounds? The first question I ask is, why twenty, not seventeen? Why not twenty-two? Right. And in their mind, they're like, well, if I weighed this, I think I would, you know, look better. Sometimes they look better losing five pounds. Right. Sometimes they lose better losing no weight, just literally being lighter, feeling good about their body. Right. No, that's sometimes, a good point. Sometimes you have to lose fifty pounds. And my point is, like, let's quantify your why, and let's find out what that why is reflective of. What are you missing? Is it companionship? Is it confidence? You know what? Sometimes giving me $10,000 isn't the right thing. Go to one of these boutiques like Holt Renfrew and get someone to pick your clothes for you. Right. And and get a proper wardrobe. Spend 10K there. And maybe that might be what makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. And then come back because then you're not going to feel so rushed to make some of these decisions of losing weight that are going to put you in a bad position, right? Right. Um, and and by figuring out that why, you then have an opportunity to to work on it from a holistic point of view. You know what I mean? Right. No, that um, makes great sense. I think of like myself with you know my fitness journey and what's keep me more or less consistent is that why for me, like I said, it it, it was never really about 
six pack or this one it was always to feel better yep going to the gym is one of my first hacks for uh reducing stress tension negative energy that is like my number one outlet for doing yep. that so it's to feel feel good and yep. then of course as we discussed the byproduct of all of that is not only do you feel good but you start to look okay. good which gives yep. you confidence which then helps you in those other areas so that is my my grounding when going to the gym, right? And yep. so, yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, and, I, and you know, for me, it was always like my great equalizer. I mean, we have some conversations about the world and mm. and money and race and all the things that come into it. And the world can be a very heavy place depending how you look at it right. and depending on just what's going on. But I always feel like if if I need to start again or if I need to... You know, hold my position in the world. My physicality is a huge part of that. Right. You know, I could be sitting beside a billionaire, and I can feel like I belong based on mm-hmm. the fact that man to man or person to person, I'm in tune with my body. I don't feel lesser because someone has more external riches right. or external things in me. And it doesn't mean I don't want those external things because I have right. goals too. Yeah. But I always feel like if you put me in a room with ten people. I'm probably going to be, you know, one, two, or three physically able. Right. And that's helped me as a black man navigating this world to go into spaces I probably don't belong from a financial point of view or an education point of view. Right. Right? My whole thing is, well, no, I belong from a human point of view. And I'm Mm. every day, every day, figuring out things about my body that, you know, other people aren't privileged to do. Right. So if I'm sitting beside a financial guru who has spent their career figuring out how to get the best out of this money game, or I'm sitting beside an author or an artist who's figured out how to bring the beauty of life into a canvas or a book. And mm. I know I've been doing the same thing with my craft. I'm very comfortable in this room. Mm. Um, and that usually ends up us being comfortable having conversations, which is why I have right. some of those clients, like you mentioned, right? right. Um, and then the byproduct is at 41, I look good with my shirt off. You know <laughs> there you go. So, there you go. <laughs> That gets hey. me going on cold days. That gets me going when I don't want to work out. You know, obviously yes. my family and my kids are great motivations too. And that all ties into it. So, you know, if you're just looking at it to do a scale or a quick thing to get you going, I'm not saying there isn't those moments of your strategy, mm-hmm. but it's got to be something that is, is deeper. Right. It's no, our body I, at the end of the day. I agree with you 1,000%. Um, so it's one Here's a question I've always wanted to know, man. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of conversation or an answer I've always wanted to know. Um, and there's a lot of conversation about like balance, right? And, you know, in your bio, it talks about you being a good coach to help people get balance in their career, in their life. So I wanted to know personally for you as a gym owner, as a trainer, do you ever get tired, bro? Because you, you guys always have to come with the energy. Like, it's, it starts with you. Like, when I used to yeah. see, like, you know, what was the guy that used to do Thai bow? I was like, yo, does that guy Billy. ever, like, <laughs> does he ever get tired? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, especially you got a family as well. You got a beautiful wife. You got two kids. Thank you. Like, do you ever go? I, I know you, you, you may feel it because you're human. But, like, I'm just curious. I get tired. I get tired, for sure. Like, you know, I, I'm a high-energy individual. Mm-hmm. I sleep typically six to seven hours. Yeah. Um, I don't need much more than that now. However, I am working towards eight because my body is telling me now that I do need eight. Um, I don't drink caffeine much, maybe one or two coffees a month max, just for if I'm around people. But you're right. Like, I can't. You can't come to a session with me and I'm like, what's up, Corey? You know what I mean? It's not going to work for you. Also, too, my staff, they're young entrepreneurs and getting it. I'll get into the gym at 5 a.m. mostly because I want you, I want them to know, you know, you can't be in before me. Yeah. I have to set the example. Um, And then my kids, they have no care how tired you are. If mm-hmm. I even nod off, they're going to wake me up. But I'll say a couple of things. If you work on all those things that we spoke about, range of motion, posture, flexibility, schedule, we didn't touch on food too much, but having the right food strategy, mm-hmm. you see how much in abundance you have. 
Right. Um, the average person, I was just talking about this last night. One of my friends was over and he's a tech entrepreneur. And he's like, he works out. He's in very good shape. He's like, I am such a unicorn. He's actually considered leaving the industry because they actually mock him a bit. Mm-hmm. And it, what I'm, the point I'm getting at is a lot of these high-performing people that we see, they're running on like 20, 30% efficiency just based on their lifestyle. Right. So there's so much more human beings have if we actually take on proper nutrition, proper mindfulness, proper training, proper recovery. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but right. I know my energy comes from the fact that I'm doing a lot of the things that everyone has access to, right? Mm. Um, and then the thing is, too, is my job, my work, my family, they're all things that give me energy in life. I don't do many things that don't um, for that reason. Right. I never feel like I'm dragging myself through something. Um, everything I do, I want to do because if it's not, I find a way of getting out of my life pretty quickly. And, and I think that's also important because if you're spending six hours, eight hours a day, five days a week more, you know, 10, 20 years of doing something that requires you to have to, all right, come on, let's go one more, like pushing yourself through, that's naturally teaching yourself to slow down. Right. And um, I just don't do those things. Mm. Uh, but I also nap every day at 4 p.m. <laughs> mm. See, I think that's where people miss out because, you know, you have the, you know, sleep is the cousin of death. Uh, time waits for no man. You, you got all those saying, you know, like yeah, sleep yeah. is for suckers. You know, you know that. And a yeah, lot of those yeah. guys, they they take the naps in in between or whatever. So I feel like, because you know, something that uh, I learned this year, and I think we all know it intuitively, but again, there's that narrative that I was just you know spinning out. And um, rest is powerful. Very much so. You know, and I think we we kind of overlook that because we associate rest with being lazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially hustle culture. Hustle culture right now is out of control. It's like we're almost competing to be who could be more dysfunctional and people are not seeing it. Right. They're inspired. They're inspired by these really like this. Someone sent me something. Um, she's been sending me posts from this guy. I won't say his name cause he's got a huge following and he's like, um, I only sleep four hours a night and I get up at 4 a.m. And I do treadmill at this time and meditation with my wife at this time. And it's like, dude, come on, cut this shit. You're not doing like, and people are going to follow him and end up in a bad place. Yeah. So we, we have this culture now. Like if you're not doing more than the next man, you're not doing anything. Right. And we're competing on dysfunctional stuff, which it does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be very clear on what you were asking me, yes, I do get tired, but I train myself from my fitness to my body to my food, to have as much energy as possible. And I'll give you an example. I'm 42 next year. Um, you know, I'm probably 185 right now. Um, mm-hmm. I like to be around 190. But the style of training that would let me gain five pounds now at this age would have me having to do heavier weights five days a week, four to five days a week. Mm. heavier weights four or five days a week for me would require way more rest. And, you know, I'd be sore. Mm-hmm. And I'd get up slower, and I'd you know walk around slow. I don't want that, right? So I'm purposely not doing that. Gotcha. I don't want to be like ah oh, leg day. I'm coming down the steps slow because for <laughs> me, when I come down the steps slow, I'm less inclined to do more work. Right, right, right. I love so that's it. a simple strategy. You have to really recognize that, right? Right. I love that, man. Um. So just to end on that, is work life balance possible? Or is that like a myth? I think it's a myth. I think what ends up happening is you have to move to the extremes depending on what you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. And you have to know what you're leaving behind when you do go to the extremes. Mm. So I'm about to do two gyms now. So the next six months, mm-hmm. the the life side is going to be a little bit it's gonna hurt out a little of balance. Bit. It's going to yeah. hurt a little bit. Right. And, I, um, and I think that I think that's fair because I, I remember Mark Cuban said, you know, you're not in building mode. If the other areas like he's talking about when you say building like career, business, what have you, you're not really building if these other areas aren't hurting in your life. Right. Right. Like, exactly. In order to be in build, there has to be a level of sacrifice in these 
other areas because it requires so much time, tension, energy, etc. It's even the body, right? If I want to increase my cardio, if I want to get my running up a little bit, I'm probably not going to be as strong. I'm not going to lift the barbell as much, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm on the barbell trying to get some strength and size, I'm not going to be have the same capacity for running. So you have to prioritize what is mm-hmm. your focus, but then be very clear on what the downside is and then swing back to that after. So specifically right. for me, I just came off a summer of, of of being around a lot and hanging out with my kids a lot. And now dad's going to be at work more. Mm-hmm. And then come springtime, I'm not going to be at work a lot because by then, you know, they're going to be pretty, you know, not distant because I'm home every night. But I'm different when I'm in head down building a business mode, right? Right, right. Um, but in spring, we'll take a nice long vacation. And then I'll go into, yeah, now dad doesn't have to go into the office. Right. Because the business is up and running. So then they get their time with me. Right. I and love that. And that will last for a few months, and then you swing again. You just got to know your swings and know what you're what you're sacrificing when you swing, right? Balance of the extremes. I love it. So, Swanee, yes. um, kind of wrap this up. What is what is the best lesson do you think you've learned from conquering failure, dealing with difficult moments in life? If you can sum that up, like, what do you what do you think is the best lesson you've learned it's all feedback and there's no there so yes like i said you got to have a why and yes you got to have short-term goals and you know you still have to track things and make sure you're doing what you need to do but if right. the overall goal is is survival improvement then what what's the finish line there there isn't right, right. so every little step along the way is um a lesson a feedback point an opportunity to learn from and if you look at it that way especially with your body, it's almost limitless. You, you don't really age that way. You just keep evolving in different ways, right? Mm, I love yeah. it, brother. I love it. So really quick, this is how I end each podcast episode. I do rapid fire. This is the actual oh. three questions part, just in case you were wondering. So really quickly, what's one of the biggest fitness myths out there that's fooling everyone? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, calorie surplus deficit. Calorie <laughs> surplus deficit. Jeez. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Whole other episode on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. All right. You see um, uh, a BBL. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> man, if you avoid surgery at all costs, man, your body wasn't meant to be opened up. You know, hopefully... If it has to be opened up, it's because you need it. You're in danger and someone's trying to save your life. Other than that, try not to have people open up your body for any damn reason. <laughs> I love it. And my last one, what's up? Hold on. Hold on. Just be clear. Uh, your body wasn't meant, it wasn't made with a zipper for a reason, right? <laughs> You're not supposed to just go in there often. Go ahead. And my last one, what's a quote or a mantra that you live by currently? Um... A long one, but I'll, I'll bring it down to this one thing. It's like the man who is living life, you can't tell if he's working, playing, or loving. It's mm. all the same. It's all happening in one seamless effort. So to others, you can't tell if he's working or playing. He's just existing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I might steal that. You might see me post that yeah, on IG. I'll, I'll send you the whole thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> quote that I reflect on at least once a year. It's a, it's a, it's a little lengthy. But mm-hmm. it, it, it sums up in that. Like, everything should be a function of, of play, love, work. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and so, if, if someone wants to hire you as their personal trainer or uh, become a member to one of your now private gyms, because you're now have, going to have two locations, yes, uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact, um, in contact with you? Well, you can type me into any search engine. Um, I use my real name because it's probably the only one you'll ever hear. Inswani, N-S-U-A-N-I, Bafo, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, IG. You type it, you'll find me. Um, myself, I love to work with anybody who gives effort and loves feedback. That's kind of my prerequisites. doesn't matter if you're a top-end athlete or a beginner. And then I have a team of literally, I'm good, I'm great. I don't mind saying that. But my team, they're the one. Because they're young, they're hungry, they're absorbing data from all different points. Um, and, and, you know, if you're ever looking for coaches, I have about 30 of the best in the entire city. Mm. So either with myself or Facts. one of my teammates, we can, yeah, you work with Savon, you work, you know, you work mm-hmm. great. Um, Still doing his workout, by the way. 
You should see my shoulders, bro. I I seen him last time we were together. The cutoff. (laughs) Yeah. Getting the V taper down. (laughs) It's well, the midsection still needs some work there, man. I I I slacked off a couple months in the diet because all the travel and all the alcohol and another story. Summertime. Summer's over now. But yeah, I mean, myself and my team is an extension of just of my my team is an extension of myself, my spaces, uh, Fitco, 1047 Gerard Street East, Fair 360, 1910 Young Street. We're in neighborhoods of high performing people. Um, we're in places where people come to get our and come get their energy and their cup filled so they can go back out and run their companies, run their families, take care of responsibilities. So link up, tap in, you know, we got you. I love it. I love it. And I love it. Um, So, guys, that concludes this episode of Three Questions with Corey Kareem. And, yes, I know today was like eight, but they're really good answers, though, man. You got to love the answers. Uh, Please remember to check us out on the Alive Podcast Network. And for my listeners, as you guys know, I like to end each episode by saying this. If you just want to impress people, Talk about your wins, your accolades, the shiny things you have in your household, yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life, talk about those down periods, those mishaps, those mistakes, more specifically the lessons you learn from those specific situations. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, and Swanee and I are out, peace and love. Until the next time.